and thanks for listening to this brief, punchy episode of the Sanctioned Citizen Podcast. I am your hostess, Tempest Del Fuego. If this is your first podcast listen, I'm going to say more unusual or possibly unmentionable topics, usually based on privacy, technocracy, and or civil liberties. Now, be advised if you worship Obama... If you believe Antifa sponsors are a nice group of mythical public servants, if you are a U.S. foreign intelligence agency with an unprofessional bias, maybe a propagandist footman for the CCP, a Berkeley alumni, a communist, a race supremacist of any stripe, including the openly regressive segregationist from the Church of Woke, um, or a neoconservative Nazi leftover from the Bush administration, This program is probably not for you. You should skip it. This is all the trigger warning you're going to get. So since I know those people don't make the whole of the marketplace for U.S. podcast news and views, I'm going to move forward. So the point of the Sanctioned Citizen podcast is to be able to say things that cannot or won't get said because it flies in the face of a media estranged from editorial ethics, facts, and... um, and many use the rip-and-read mouthpieces as propaganda. You know, whatever they they put in front of the newscaster, it just goes right in the teleprompter, and then they read it, and then it's out. So so this is actually a really willful act of U.S. free speech. Uh, The point of free speech is that you do not control what is said, who says it, and you don't get to play editor to the process. That means you don't thin it down, edit out parts you don't agree with, or like, or enhance parts that magically favor your point of view. You know, I get it. People say bad things online, but you don't have to read it, and you can change the channel, or you can migrate somewhere else. Um, There is a lot of speech that will get a monitor, because it's the job of competition minders or government minders. The people who hire minders, or monitors, uh, are on the offensive against your First Amendment rights to speech, period. Or they are your competition. American partisans want protected speech rights, but they also harbor people in their party who are set to sabotage those speech rights, speech rights, sorry, (laughs) get the marbles out of my mouth, with corporatist policy. And corporatist policy is a just a, a mind meld of policy wonks and lawfare lobbyists who want to kill your rights. Um, they work for the corporations and they work for the government. And they're the same people. Or they used to work for each other. It's kind of incestuous. So that is bad for America. So I think that they should get their tents in order. We still have a totalitarian, illiberal leadership at the helm of major partisan machinery in the U.S. We've got Pelosi, who's a unilateralist, progressive on the left, running the House. And then you've got Liz Cheney, who's at the head of the Republican Party, with, you know, their leadership, as the neocon snuff cancel corps on the right. And what bothers me about some conservatives is they think that they can just kind of pick up speech rights and drop them, you know, whenever they want. And that that bothers me a lot. Um, 
So I think that that is uh, bad for liberty. So they're both saboteurs to American liberty. The vote records and the testimonies on record do not lie. So it's really funny since how I started airing this podcast. Uh, recruiters have been sending me unsolicited employment leads. Recruiters I usually never hear from and are strangers to me. They're just like, oh, well, uh, here's some jobs. So recruiters can be really lovely people until they take you to the brink of being hired and then the company drops you, like, out of thin air. Uh, if that happens once or twice, you didn't qualify for the job or you, you weren't really the right fit. Um, so, But if that happens every single time in chronic succession over a period of six months or longer, you might be on a blacklist. Uh, this has been a special legal public service announcement. If you have concerns about this, check your local legal codes at a state attorney general's office near you. If you are on a blacklist, uh, those things can be confirmed. I want you to know that corporate blacklists that cancel employment offers or firms who deliberately intercept hire processes prior to any confirmed consent to a background check are doing something highly illegal most certainly illegal in the state of Washington. Even the government isn't really allowed to just stick their hand in their employment and say, this, this person's a bad person, I'm going to sabotage their employment. You know, they're really not allowed to do that. You know, even if you are down on your, your student loan, they're just not allowed to do that. So if you're an employment law firm interested in advertising with the show, the first interview is free. We will ask you about your firm and what you do um, and what to do if you or someone you know has been canceled or blacklisted in an anti-competitive move to maybe marginalize you in an illegal or unprofessional way. If you hear this podcast and your private investigator has confirmed that you were blacklisted, send us some proof. We might send up an interview. Blacklisted workers don't often get their voices out. They have limited income and usually no microphone. But sometimes they do. Sometimes they're podcasters like me. Um, so again, welcome to the Sanctioned Citizen Podcast. Where there might be news and views from people who understand what that means. The CCP and their corporate operators love to blacklist American workers. So they will hire more global workers domestically. And if they're on the West Coast or in tech, that's usually from India, China, other parts of Eurasia, Eastern Bloc countries, and Asia. So big tech typically isn't hiring many Mexicans or Latin Americans from Central and South America because they work in the kitchen or the warehouse. They get here without much transport or, you know, their papers are an issue. Their governments are kind of la la um, And that's unfortunate. Jeff Bezos, because there are quite a few kidnapped hackers and engineers being compelled to work for their cartels, and they, they would probably benefit tremendously from a tech job somewhere safe. So, I think if anyone is going to do the time for being racist, you know, I might, I might get lambasted for anything I said in the last, like, minute as racist you know, without actually doing anything racist. So if I'm going to do the time for being racist without actually being effectually biased or have a proven act of obstructing people from opportunity or by being 
a proactively traditionally organized you know racist supremacist you know versus somebody who's like a woke smear labeled racist I might say whatever I need to just say I might just say it so I think people are actually coming around to the fact that woke policy interpretations are actually just more racism as I've said no quarter from the fact panels you cannot fix racism with more racism and call that public policy it's just a waste of the public's time and money to keep divisive harassment and public street terrorism legally passable so they need to straighten up so there's some woke racist regressives who are getting rebranded right now as something called cultural eugenicist and uh, so you should see the very interesting link from the American Spectator which has some cool stuff in there sometimes some cool editorial ideas news and views so people who can get business licenses can also organize and get lawyers they sue cities and individuals for private acts of vandalism and personal loss financial loss and personal injury since Antifa members were primarily mentally ill white kids and some of them were minorities from pejoratively rich families in the Pacific Northwest they could probably sponsor some of the repairs for the damages they did a small business association has a legal representation fund when they burn your car uh, your business destroy important artifacts to your life like something you worked for years on or inflict a debilitating injury that is not a small claims court matter it's not even a night court matter that's a full-blown civil case if not a criminal case so the problem is is that there's an issue of prosecutorial misconduct you've got leftist prosecutors in the Northwest who won't enforce uh, menacing laws uh, laws of property damage and things like that that happen um, and, and it's weak governance but it's also super damaging and then they're, they're finding that people won't tolerate it they'll just leave because peaceful productive economically productive and creative people don't want to be around random acts of violence you know warlike you know versions of of anarcho-terrorists you know just dropping in and breaking their stuff and taking their stuff and you know and no consequences and these are kids who you know came from maybe bad homes with who are economically disadvantaged but they're wrecking and and hurting people who you know worked maybe their whole lives to have a small store and that's not fair so you know, the same problem goes for when they, they start in individually menacing certain people, you know, and it's pretty awful when you get the public example of, say, you know, a certain black congresswoman who shows up and says you need to harass people in public. That's that's your, your civic duty to harass people in public. And, you know, it, it just isn't so. That's menacing. You know, if you threaten to hurt somebody or, you know, menace them with, with you know, harm, yell in their face, that's not, that's not cool. Heckling is what you do when you go to a club. 
and you know the, the comic sucks. You yell from the back of the room, and you, go, you know, you suck. You know, get down, or you yell a counter punchline or something like that. You know, and people expect it. It's kind of a kind of a jerk thing to do, but you know, people people do it because you know they're, they're trying to give the comic a hard time or trying to show show um, an anti round of support. You know, kind of backhanded support for the comic. <laughs> <laughs> because they think that their jokes suck. Um, anyways, I want you to know that due to the menacing problem, Andy No, who's the reporter who mainly built his new career on Antifa reporting, he's left the country. And I want to, people to know that his reporting changed my life. It just so happens the weekend that Reports broke that Antifa beamed him with a milkshake and other blunt objects in Portland. Um, I fired a healthcare provider for being forced to engage in this woke re-education program scheme in a medical setting as a condition of continuing care. And I just, I just fired them. I went to go see another doctor before I did it, but I, I fired them. So menacing is a crime. Serial harassment is a crime. You know, and harassment is has a legal definition. You're welcome to go to your local legal library and, and or consult a lawyer to get it interpreted for you. You know, and then and then seek to file a charge if you have been harassed. And if you get a prosecutor who doesn't want to enforce the law, you ask for a change of venue. You know, because people died because of Antifa and Chaz Seattle. You know, the people who live in the Pacific Northwest have not forgotten about that. And if prosecutorial misconduct fails you and law enforcement lapses leave you with a broken family member, a broken life, a broken business, you know, you need to band together with others and file a civil suit. And that's what happened in Seattle as well. So I just also want you to know that, you know, civic leaders aren't entitled to just jump up and change government, you know, because there's a kinetic movement in the streets. And because Kashama Sawant went ultra commie during the, uh, the COVID pandemic, um, she, she used this opportunity to have that that kinetic street movement to go in and ask for Mayor Jenny Durkin to step down. You know, no one even really knew if there was any beef. Well, maybe maybe people inside might know, but it, it doesn't look to the public like there was any any real need for Durkin to go bye-bye. You know, there, there was a pandemic going on. I think most people were just kind of focused on that. But because George Floyd and kinetic street movement and Antifa and Chaz were going to mob the Seattle... Uh, civil facilities and demand uh, a takeover. So Kashama Sawan is being recalled. Period. You know, and she's being recalled by other, like, like Democrats, pejorative Democrats who live here, because that just didn't didn't go well. You know, you don't knock over a civil standard government when in the middle of a pandemic. It, it's a really, really base move and it's it reveals a lot about the whole communitarian agenda that's kind of trying to get anchored and trying to stay here 
And I think that kind of shook them awoke a little bit more. Because they make so many concessions to so many leftists here. Um, that they they said, okay, well, well, I think we might draw, draw the line there. And pe people might be leaving. They might be going some other places. I'm trying to, you know, I have an ambition to leave. Um, but, but the, uh, the cards need to fall in place. And the jobs need to be there. So, um, we'll get, get back to it. I'll probably do Sanctioned Citizen, get the marbles out of my mouth, and, and keep the beat up until then. But, uh, for, for the purposes of this program, I'm going to track CCP stuff. You know, whatever they do. That seems, you know, of note or remark. Because they just buy up all the real estate and they're doing their uh, Belt and Road stuff right here in the Washington State. Anyways, I'll just get to it. I wanted to give a brief update on the vaccination passport ban. Governor Christy Noem signed an executive order banning vaccination passports for South Dakota and Alabama has had some legislation introduced to ban vaccine passports. Also, uh, on the real ID driver's license stuff, uh, that compliance initiative has been punted to 2023 by DHS head Mr. Mayorkas. So that wraps the identity mandate update. I also want to let you know that if you're being compelled to use the E-Verify program, once you have been E-Verified between your employer and DHS, you can ask them to purge your information. You just need to contact DHS and ask for that. So, so here's what I'm going to tell you about COVID-19 that is not going to go over very well with people who have strong feelings about forcing people by the hand of the government to do what they want because that's the only way they can get any temporary relief from their massive control and anxiety issues. Um, you know, monoclonal antibodies are an alternative to the U.S. vaccine. Let's just rip it off like a band-aid. You know, antibodies are what the vaccine gives you. And if there's another way to get you the antibodies legally, medically, it should be just as viable as a vaccine. So government administrators have been ambivalent about serology approvals, and that's that's the blood blood count. But they can't be too ambivalent anymore because they needed to monitor that monitor those standards for a vaccine. So they can be pinned down. So they tried like hell to shame and punish FDA head Stephen Hahn for promoting a hundred year old treatment and immunity strategy. To help Americans get well using serology. And then it became some kind of pissing contest over the academic veracity of COVID serology. And, you know, they, they went in there and they fought over it. And it, it was kind of nasty. And a lot of serology results got invalidated because of politics. People died. Businesses died. Then the vaccine emerged. Um, emergency authorities still want to hang, hang on to that COVID Sharia. Left-run states have watched their populations shrink. People who were once blue by force are now a little bit more purple today. Not just because they moved to a red state. 
Blue state progressive governance is and has been deaf and callous to the economic and social needs of normative American economies and freedoms. Uh, they know who, the, who limited their health care options. The people who live in these states know who did that with administrative fiat. And so I'm wondering, well, well who won? Who won the political fight? Uh, the CCP, because the virus agent just killed 600,000 Americans. And no one wins in that situation. So, there. here's something you can do. Because I, I don't want to exasperate you. COVID is, is a stress. Here's something you can do. You can donate to the work of Senator Ron, Rand Paul. Uh, he's one of the only elected physicians in the Senate. You may not love everything about him or his politics, but he is an elected physician, and he's working to dial back uh, ridiculous, um, demeaning rules on COVID, and you should help him. Um, he's got a current medical license, and you can write your local Congress member demanding an end to the scientific ambivalence over COVID serology treatments. So... And this would offer antibody serology treatments for as a vaccine alternative, you know, to the Americans who are vaccine averse. They so there are vaccine averse Americans, and they're being blamed and castigated currently because they won't do do the vaccine. Ah! But nobody's giving them another option. So stop limiting people's options, U.S. government. You know, and then screaming at them when they won't take the only one left on the menu because that's what you pick for them. You know, they're going to run away every time. You know, I, I might have some experience here because the 20-somethings here raised by a crackpot tech leftist, you know, they pull the same crap when you go to order from a walk-up menu. You know, they get hired at burritos, places and places where you eat out, you know. And they might say they're out of everything you want to order that you come up to the window for. You know, they eliminate your chosen menu options because they think you're super special. And it's harassment. So, you know, if it's a restaurant, you could move to another section. You know, if it's a walk-up, you have to just say, well, maybe not today, and then complain to the manager later. Um, but once they figure out they've got a saboteur curbing the source of their service job, you know, they'll make it stop. So... That's how you flag it and move on. So my top commentary brings you to the tale of two Wongs. The elder Wong, Dr. Kent Wong, is a former CCP refugee from Hong Kong who came to America to do very well for himself. He is the picture of the American dream. The younger Nicole Wong is a fourth-generation Chinese-American, also a picture of a different kind of success. She served under possibly the last U.S. president to provide a supine amenity to Chairman Xi, Barack Obama. And she did this as his CTO. She is currently a Berkeley alumni who works at Perkins Coie and aided the Biden transition team. She was also given the 2021 IAPP Privacy Leadership Award. Both of these people 
are shining examples of academic and economic success, without a doubt. Now, for those who don't know the IAPP, it's the International Association of Privacy Professionals, um, and privacy leadership kind of, you might think differently about what their leadership standards look like after I tell you this. So they want people to believe they can execute privacy compliance as the nested group of ad tech special interest nonprofits that have been zealously guarding the cookie and ad tech surveillance ruts that produce so much cash on the back of data that actually belongs to you. So if you actually want to put standard boundaries or limits on what data they can gather, you will get spit on if you show up to one of their knowledge net group sessions. If you say something pro-privacy to one of their administrators face-to-face, they're going to treat you like a robber or heretic. So I want you to know that most of the ad tech interests are virulently against licensees getting any of the money that they make off of your data, you know, from, from selling it or marketing it. They want, I used to have an IAPP membership, and I think once I had a few key discoveries about their program, I had to step away fast. So most people cannot control what the ad tech com- companies scrape up, and so there was a third-party marketing or cookie war. And these special interests are taking some losses finally. Okay, so when they dish out a privacy leadership award, it's probably for somebody who, you know, helped them keep ad tech relevant or monetized or surveillance in play. So it is my judgment that the, the younger Ms. Nicole Wong will support the aims and business agenda of the Chinese Communist Party for her professional representation of the tech left agenda. And there is an agenda to control the public narrative with government censorship. So Ms. Wong started out with a media degree from Columbia. This later led her to to rush at Yahoo. And she went to Google. And then that finally led to, you know, CTO for Barack Obama. You know, interoperability. Information sharing environments. Get it all mass spectrum surveillance state, you know, bids. Drone kill survey RFPs. You know, I think you understand. So I don't know her at all, but just based on that Google resume, she probably hates you if you're not a communist. And hate might be an administrative word. Just let's just not give you any kind of margin for advantage. So feel free to write your fact rebuttals to the program, Ms. Wong. Dragonfly didn't work out because it wasn't supposed to. Obama's totalitarian streak and technical policy leadership probably helped get Trump elected. So, it also says a lot about the IAPP's offensive-defensive posture in this award to Nicole Wong because they lost that cookie war at Google. So, Google's ad tech ecosystem took a massive hit recently because their anti-competitive consumer surveillance postures caught up with them. So that happened only after 50 states worth of successive antitrust suits pinned them into the dirt. It took over 10 years 
three documentaries, Tristan Harris. I mean, successive individual and frivolous lawsuits at Google, okay? But, and, and both sides took heavy legal casualties. People lost jobs. They lost revenue. You know, they were bleeding out from legal, uh, legal crises. But Google and its ad tech reliance lost to consumer interest, period. Okay, it did not help their cause that they had business surveillance interests straddled with the CCP and our government. Didn't help. Didn't help. So, I just want you to know, we realize that it's just the way business happens these days, right? Well, that, that was the excuse for years. So, Wong again played congressional apologist for big tech this year, saying towards, you know, speech regulation liabilities and corporations but we have a group of people to resolve those issues and i'm thinking who is this we who is this we like you and google you and the google and government like you know that's not really accountability that's just that's just a smirk at like we'll regulate that for you you just you know and she's at perkins coey that's not not a designee for any that's not an elected office that is not, you know, Perkins Coie isn't accountable to you. They're a law firm. They work for Google, or they work for the government, or they work for Google and the government. But they don't represent you. Just want you to know that. So, I think what this is doing is the government wants to shut down their detractors. The CCP wants to shut down their detractors. And they'll use Google to do it. And Google is happy to do it. They're happy to do it when... It serves their com competitive interests. You know, Biden might say, well, you know, if you do what we want, Google, and you silence these certain people, we'll take the thumb screws off. You know, and that's not really legal, but, you know, I don't put it past, you know, certain people in the government to try. It's happened before. But, you know, I, it doesn't mean that you should tolerate it. I think that you should definitely, you know, think about contacting your congressman about that one. And saying, you know, that's not okay. I don't even think that's legal. It's definitely, you know, an end around, a snaky little swirly, you know, bypass of your rights to say, listen, you can't go rent the Fourth Amendment out to someone. You can't just go buy this information from the government because you're the government. So there is a bill in the Congress to, to kind of put that that strategy away close a loophole make it illegal and i think it's called the fourth amendment is not for sale act so i think i think we should read it i think you should go look at it if you're a policy nerd but if you're not a policy nerd you should still like at least look into it and then if you agree with the premises call your congressman and see if if you can get them to vote for it. So. So this, this lack of accountability comes down to a business process that favors a leftist anti-American business network. And, you know, that business network includes the CCP, who's been laundering your data as money. And they're an absolute predator to U.S. information security. Unfortunately, there have been three different known CCB-administrated hacks in 2021. 
one aimed at the United States government, and the two others were super slop jobs against Microsoft Cloud and, and their networks. So I don't think Nicole Wong is your friend. It's hard for some people to know the difference between, you know, say, like, somebody who's being an envious, petty hater, and then somebody who has a qualified opposition with legal case. But I think it's pretty clear to me, in this case, why I'm not in favor of the governance as led by Perkins Coey. So, you know, having Perkins Coey shut down, you know, vocal detractors is not the answer to techno-surveillance capital issues. The solution is to get the CCP surveillance and the censors out of the American supply chain and get the government out of the process. Definitely get the foreign government out of a process. So if Nicole Wong isn't working on that, she's old guard with a participation trophy from the losing team. So for whatever it's worth, at least she made the fight with the CCP puppet factory expensive. Don't go to sleep. It's people like her who are going to try to force you into, say, use of a centralized digital wallet. Okay? And wallets are the same everywhere. You know, if you put enough cash in them, somebody's going to try to steal them. So they can find a way to rake everything out of it on an as-wanted basis from an administrative place. Maybe they'll nickel and dime, like, the service fees and charges and stuff like that. But, you know, if they're trying to, like, narrow focus you into that wallet... It's just online, and everything online has, you know, speculative privacy, and it might be used to create data. And you don't benefit from that data. They are feeding off of you. Just remember, especially if it's free, you're the product. So I'm going to switch back to Dr. Kent Wong, the elder who wrote a book called Swimming to Freedom. It's a memoir of people he loved and lost in a transition uh, from China to America, and his quest for personal liberty. He took risks. He wasn't assured of any success. He was caught and returned to Chinese captivity two other times before he swam the channel to Hong Kong successfully. Uh, people he knew and loved died in that swim. So there goes a man I, I want to know. You know, I want to learn what he knows. You know, I want to have the understanding of the drive it takes to leave a repressive government and the energy it takes to pursue a new life with liberty. So he reminds me of the mermaids of Salinas trying to get into the United States with little legitimate asylum representation. You know, being a refugee anywhere is horrible. It's just horrible. Um, yes, they're, they're couched as illegal immigrants and, you know... Fox is going to be fake annoyed at all the people flooding into Texas for a long time. And some of them are going to be real annoyed. Real annoyed and fake annoyed over the problem they won't do anything about. So, anytime they want to get off their their complaining tuffet and go do something, they can probably make a difference. But, you know, the, the complaints are changing. That's, that's something I might remark on, is that the complaints are changing to this is a humanitarian issue. You know, small children are being, you know, forced into an underground uh, system where they're being molested and uh, sold in the black market for anything from labor to sex slavery. And, you know, this is a really demonic underworld where it's controlled by the U.S. US to Mexico drug cartels. 
And there's something they can do about that. They're just not doing it. So you need to ask yourself some questions. Why is it so beneficial to keep such a system in place? And why is the government openly turning their head all the time for 30 years? They're not enforcing. They're selectively enforcing. There is There are people in asylum cities. There are people that are bad people who run these cartels and benefit from these underground, um, you know, slavery rings who, you know, have businesses in these asylum cities. They don't enforce the law. So that means that there's a tolerance for criminal behavior because maybe the political hierarchy benefits somehow, you know. Do the cartels, you know, launder foreign donations through PACs? You know? I don't think they get to vote. You know, they, they think, you know, people in, in, who are working in the fields all day are going to go go shower up and go vote in our elections. I think they're high. I think they're stupid. I don't think those people want to get anywhere near a government building because they might get picked up. So... You think they're going to go into a, an American fire station and and pull the bar or scratch? You know, I, I think they're high. I think that they are off their rocker. What I really think is happening is I think the cartels are laundering political donations through PACs. And nobody wants to regulate that system because that would mean we deal with Citizens United. And I have a recollection that Citizens United is a really bad deal for Americans, domestic Americans. But nobody wants to deal with it because they get so much money from China and India and other places where they have special interests and they have vested interests in keeping things a certain way here in America. And that's supposed to superimpose and buy... The regulatory environment for us. So I think Fox needs to change the vein and point it back on the political machinery. Because I don't think it's those little cholo voters that they're so worried about. You know, I don't think gang members are showing up to vote in droves like, yeah, la raza! That looks like. It looks really scary and dangerous to people who are terrified by that. But that's just not what happens. I don't believe it. And they say it and never bring a single fact. They never show any paperwork. They never put up a graph. They never do any of it. But they'll say, in succession, illegal aliens are voting in the elections. Every time. I want to see some proof. Prove it. Prove it. They can't. I can say that illegal foreign interests, like cartels, might be dosing the packs with a ton of money. So, that's that's my conspiracy theory right there, and I'm probably more right than they are. So, you know, let me get back to the Wongs here, because the Tale of Two Wongs is where Dr. Kent Wong is the type of America that we need. Nicole Wong is going to make a turnkey state for the CCP. And she's a fourth-generation Chinese-American. So get all the Kent Wongs out of Hong Kong and port them today. 
and then send Nicole Wong back to mainline Beijing. You know, somebody might try to throw a bomb on me for that, but, you know, I think it fits. It fits. Her interest base fits over there, and the Hong Kong interest base fits over here. They're out of place. You just make an exchange. Like, if there was, like, a prisoner exchange, I would say, you take all the Nicole Wongs out of Silicon Valley, just take them all, you know? It doesn't matter that they have a Chinese last name. Just, just take all the people who are just like her and take them straight out of Berkeley. Just take them straight to mainland China. Xinjiang. Sick them in Xinjiang! <laughs> and then we will take all the Hong Kong people. And all the Taiwanese. And all the Tibetans. And all the people who need American liberty. And want it. Might want it. And we'll give them asylum. They can be here as refugees. You know, developing, earning, being innovators, doing all those stuff. Okay, but they're they're not gonna be they're not gonna be kind on communism if they get here. Nicole Wong is. So that's my tale of two Wongs. Don't throw in with the wrong Wong. That's all I have for you on this episode. This has been Tempest Del Fuego in the Sanctioned Citizen Podcast. There will be some sources in the uh, bottom of the listing, so I encourage you to go look at those. Until next time, have a great day.